Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Hello, welcome to the Writer's Block Party podcast. I am one of your hosts. I'm Prue Warren, and I'm thankfully I'm here with. Hi, I'm Meredith Bond. It is lovely to be with you today, Prue. <laughs> and you, especially given that I forced a derailment in our plans topic. We were going to talk about writing, art, identity, or a profession. But but no, no, I need help sooner than that. <laughs> <laughs> and I am always here for you. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> then my new topic for you is the question of reader engagement. And I'm going to give you a scenario, which I find myself in right now. I have a four book series, the Ampersand series, mm -hmm. rom-coms, delightful, charming. Don't you love it? The fourth book comes out on November 18th. Mm -hmm. And in the back of that book, I want to put something that says, ooh, stay tuned, reader. There's more coming, right? Right. In the last three books, that space has been taken up with chapter one of the next book. Mm -hmm. And so you're reading along, you finished, you are given the option of downloading a free epilogue if you sign up for my newsletter. And then the next page is, here's the, here's the first chapter of the next book. Hold on, it's coming soon. Aren't you excited, right? Right. This my is all good. This is all good, right? This is all good. My problem is I don't, <laughs> I don't have a next book yet, okay? So this is, this is like so much, detail and I feel so bad for writers who are like, well, what am I supposed to take out of this? Here's here's my situation. It's all about me today, listener. Sorry. It's all about me. No, but it's not all about you because we all face this. Right? Okay. Well, I'm going to give you very specifics that we don't all face. Before okay. I wrote the Sand series, I wrote a series um, about uh, modern day muses. And it's they're not specifically comms. They're ROMs, but they're not comms. There are, there are, you know, there's lightheartedness, there's funny bits. The, the, the very first one, which is called City Muse, was my first attempt at a romance novel after reading what actually a romance novel entails. I read Alexander Sokoloff's Writing Love, which I thought was incredible. She changed the title like 15 times. So just go for a look, look for Alexander Sokoloff and something about writing romance, and you'll be glad you did. Uh, I read it and I wrote a nice, simple book, which became City Muse, and it's good. It's 50,000 words, and it made my editor cry. Happy tears. Not, not, it wasn't tragic. She was like, please don't make me finish this horrible book. She liked it. It was good. And then I wrote two more, and halfway through the second book, it occurred to me that I needed to link these together. So halfway through the second book, the heroine gets two friends, right? And by the time the third book came along, it had gelled. All three friends, they were working together. 
a larger story, came to conclusion at the end of the books. It's juicy, right? It's really good. But that first book needs needs some repair. It also needs things that you've helped me with, like deep POV and chapter endings that make you stay up late because I just have to see what happens next. So there's a lot, there's work that needs to be done, but the plot itself is solid and strong. Mm -hmm. So there's a possibility, the Muse books. Right. I'm also planning on writing uh, my next trilogy, which I'm calling the Cooper Smith Legacy, about three unrelated women who surprisingly inherit um, properties. And this is under my theory that in a time of of economic uncertainty, like now, the world wants Busby Berkeley, right? Sudden wealth is attractive. We all want to suddenly realize, oh, my God, Great Aunt Maud has left me a monastery in France, right? So, (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I'm writing. And it's a good plot. And I think it's going to be strong, but I haven't written it yet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here we come. November 18th is coming, the day that my final book is published. I need to put something in the back of the book that says, honey, it ain't over. There's more to come. Just, you know, hold on. What do I do? What the hell do I do now? I don't know what to do. <laughs> okay, you, to- you have two options. Yep, at least. At least. Option number one, don't put anything there. Say, what? sign up for my newsletter to follow Prue's news to find out what Prue is going to do next. Okay. The other I- option. Okay. The yeah. other option is to pick, is to decide what your next series is going to be, whether it's going to be the city, the muse, or whether it's going to be the new one and write a first chapter. I Actually. Actually, to make matters worse, I have written the first chapter of all three of the books. I've already got the first chapter. That's done. My theory is that these three women are all sitting in a lawyer's office going, I don't know who the hell you are. So I'm having the same scene written from three points of view in each of the books. It's going to start with the same scene from different points of view. It's going to end with the same scene from different points of view. And what happens in the middle um, We'll sort of weave in and out. So I'm really actually going to write all three books at once so I can keep the timeline straight. I learned that from you, Meredith Bond, master of the multiple times seeing this scene. So I've written it. It's it's I've got a first chapter. I've got three first chapters. Great. (laughs) So throw that to your editor and say, let's make this good enough to put in the back of the book. Yeah. Which one? Which one? Which one what? Muse or legacy? You want the Muse books or the the Cooper Smith legacy? Because the Muse books are simple but done, and the legacy books are going to be great, but they're not yet written. Which one excites you more? Both of them. You know what? It's a horrible thing to say. (laughs) I asked the same question, and she said, with great wisdom, she said, you know which one you want to put in. You know which one is best. <laughs> and I thought, fuck you. I do not know which one I want to best. <laughs> well, if it's really true that you do not have one that you like better. <gasps> put them both in. No. No. Sorry. I know. You can always flip a coin 
and say A or B? Oh, I can't believe you're telling me to flip a coin. I can't believe Honestly. Your, your decades or, of your many books and what you're telling me is flip a coin. Flip a friggin' coin, Prudence. <laughs> because it doesn't really matter. You are eventually going to publish those muse books because they're there, they're under the bed, they need to be made beautiful, and there is no point in wasting that time and that energy and that fantastic writing. It doesn't You're really... going to publish them anyway. Brilliant. You're brilliant. You're brilliant. I've said it before. I'll say it again. By God, it doesn't so, matter. It doesn't matter. You're going to publish the muse books anyway. You're going to write the new series anyway. It doesn't matter which one comes first. It's just a matter of which one you want to work on now. I think you're, I think you're, my God, I think she's got it. Well, okay. Okay. I like this. I like this theory. What Mindy said, other than, you know, which one you really want, like, I do not. Um, She also said, you don't have to put in a first chapter. You can put in a three paragraph summary of the, of the first series and a three paragraph summary of the second series. And just assume that everyone's going to have to sit on their hands for a minimum of four months anyway. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't like go ahead and just write, just write a summary and, and move on and then stop dicking around and actually start writing. Ooh, you and, oh, this is, I think you're, I think you're a genius. I think you're a genius. And this makes me feel much better. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. And so yes, never, absolutely, you could do what Mindy said and put them both in there. Just a just a summary. Just a quick one. Just a summary. Yeah. <laughs> Coming soon. Uh, okay. Then let's back this conversation away from me, 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 me. Admittedly, I am the most fascinating person inside my skull. But I was let- about to say, how could you possibly <laughs> consider <laughs> Let's talk about reader engagement in general. Okay. And when I think of reader engagement, what I think of is how do you persuade strangers into believing that you are a friend they just haven't physically met yet? Does that sound good <laughs> right to you? Um, yes, it is. It is absolutely vital that they think that. Mm-hmm. My my idol in this respect is Stephen King, who writes forwards or afterwards that make me know that he and I are buds, right? We just haven't met yet. If he and I were on a long car ride together, we'd get along like the house. He'd love me. He would love me because we are just the same. So <laughs> I think that's a very valuable skill. Mm-hmm. How do you make someone how do you make someone believe that the author they like is just a friend? It's their friend. Because you do it by writing to them as if they are. And hope that they agree with you. And hope that they agree with you. Because most people who are reading romance want to be friends with the writer, right? They're more, they're, they're more, um, more interpersonal sort of person. You know, I'm thinking of my son who loves to read highfalutin literary crap. Okay. Is that, is that his name for it too? Uh, no, no, no. He says <laughs> he reads good books. 
you know, <laughs> as opposed to what his mother writes. I write, right, right, right. I write light books. He reads good books. Heavy These books. are heavy books. Yes, he reads heavy books, and almost all of them end badly. And he oh, likes God. that. Oh God, I cannot put the time in on a book that's going to end sad. Oh, I can't. I know, but he likes it. He okay. feels that he is being educated and it's deep and it's philosophical and it's whatever it is. Okay. Different. Different. That's what I say. <laughs> I say, good for you. You read them. I'm going to continue reading my romances. There you go. <laughs> but the way he thinks about the authors of these books is that they are some God on a pedestal. Ah. Uh, right. Oh. So he doesn't imagine that he could ever be friends with these people. They're so much better than he is. Because uh, they write these highfalutin literary crap, right? Right. right. Whereas romance readers, they are engaging on a personal level with what they're reading. When a romance author reads a book, they become the hero or heroine. They've become a character in the book or the character in the book. And they right. experience everything as if it's happening to them. It's personal. And so they want to engage with the author in the same way. Okay. That is my I, theory. Okay. I like it. I like it a lot. I think it's a great theory. I'm just thinking of my own. Okay. I have a reaction that is unusual, I believe. My husband always used to say, let's go to this concert and sit in the front row and see if we can't shake the hand of whoever the artist is. And that was a big deal for him. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm like, well, I don't want to shake some, that's, that's not, I don't want to, I don't want to meet most authors that makes me nervous, right? That makes them, it makes them, they don't know we're friends yet. I'm the only one who knows we're friends. So it's like, it's awkward. And when you've, you've like, you brought in lovely Grace Burroughs, who was so amazing. And I was like, oh, I don't want to talk to her. Mary Jo Putney, I don't want to talk to her. They know what they're doing. They're big authors. They, they can't be bothered. And it turned out that they were lovely, both of them, fascinating and charming. So when I think of reader engagement, I almost always, as a reader, not as a writer, but as a reader, I like to keep it on the printed page. Mm. I want my friendships. Like, I don't really want to meet Stephen King, right? <laughs> we'll take a long car trip together. But the printed page has created uh, a printed intimacy. Look, I've come That's up nice. with a printed intimacy. I'm writing it down. Aren't I, genius? Intimacy. Um, it's also why I feel like going to a book signing would be absolutely terrifying, right? I don't want to meet. I don't want to meet people. I don't want to, I don't want to imply that I'm, that someone should want my autograph, right? Please, <laughs> come on. You should see the state of my sock drawer. My God. <laughs> but they don't need to see your sock drawer. They know what you write. And that is good enough for them. Because when you write your newsletter, what are you doing? You are talking to them. You are casual, you're funny, you write cute stuff, and you are engaging with them on an intimate level. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. 
that printed intimacy, I dig it. I really, really like it. But I've always liked email. Right? I've always liked I've always liked that casual voice. I'll tell you the other thing that has that has sort of astonished me on the on the subject of reader engagement is you know I write this uh, weekly uh, serialized story, mm-hmm. and at the end of every week, the people who are reading it are voting on what happens next. Right? It's called you decide. There are sixty four people on the mailing list. Quite small. Mm-hmm. Only 32 have ever responded. Mm-hmm. And the 18 to 20 people who write me every week, and I make a point of writing back to every single one, even if it's just to say thanks for your vote, they're my friends now. I mm-hmm. mean, I really feel like any one of those people, yeah, let's have coffee, right? I'm okay. I'm okay with that. They really have become my friends. So this concept of reader engagement is surprisingly two-way, right? If I spend all my time attempting to persuade people that I am their friend they haven't met yet, it does come back the other way because people will talk to me and I've I've made friends. Yeah. Uh, I think I told you this story once before that just absolutely floored me, which was that I went to, um, we had a panel discussion at a library me and three or four other authors. And I arrived early and was chatting with other people and, you know, figuring out what we were going to be doing. And a woman walked into the room and I had just pinned my name onto my shirt. So it was obvious who I was. Um, She saw it and she ran up screaming and gave me a big hug. She's like, oh, my God, finally, we're meeting. Thank you. Oh, my God, it's so great to be with you and so great to meet you. I was her best friend. I had no idea who this woman was. I had never heard of her. I'd never seen her. and Nothing. She knew everything about me, or so she thought. Um, and she she was my best friend. Well, I was her best friend. That's awesome. That's awesome. You had achieved it. I had she achieved it. Met yet. Yes. Well, that is so interesting. It is. It's fascinating. And I was so, I mean, at first I was like, huh? And then I, I, was, I gave her a hug back and said, I'm so pleased to meet you. It's so fantastic. And I went with it because that's what she needed. That's what she wanted. And that promoted the relationship, right? It's. I think it's very important what you're saying, and I'm torn between mercenary and milk of human kindness, right? Do you look upon that person as, oh, look, here's my ambassador. You're going to tell all your friends about me, and I'm going to sell a lot more books, and it's going to be groovy. I can use you. Or do you say to yourself, oh, my God, here's someone who appreciates the stories in my head, uh, we think the same way. I mean, it, it's, it's, I don't need her to think the same way. I want her to continue to follow me and to continue to read my books. Yes. But it's not just mercenary because it's that when she does that, when she reads my Facebook posts and my newsletter and the books that I write, she gets pleasure from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she follows me on Facebook and thinks that we're friends, that I am talking directly to her and not just, you know, to the void, then it makes her feel special. Mm -hmm. And that 
is wonderful. And I love that. I want somebody to feel special. I want someone to feel that I'm talking directly to them. When in fact, I'm just posting random shit on Facebook. Right? Well, but that's when you think about why do we tell stories? And there are some people who are quite mercenary about it and who write to formula because they want to make X number of dollars a year. But there are also people who tell stories because I came up with a great idea. I want to tell you a story. Mm-hmm. And if I can make some money, that's groovy too. But the idea of someone else reading what I've written, that's very exciting to me. I really like that idea. So to come across someone who would hug you because they liked what you've written so much, that's pretty gorgeous. Right. That's pretty and- gorgeous. And it's not just that she liked what I wrote in my books. It's that she followed me on Facebook and she got my newsletter. And every time she received one of those communiques, she felt I was speaking to her. Uh, And that's the beautiful thing. Yeah, it is beautiful. I'm just thinking of if you were to break reader engagement down, how would you, how would you, how are ways that you can engage with readers? And I think the first one is, of course, tell your story. The way you tell your story is the first step to paper intimacy, right? Right. I'm making a list. I'm up to five. Second one is if you write afterwards and forwards, right? If you do, if you do the Stephen King plan, which is, let me tell you when I wrote this, what I was thinking and blah, 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 and make you think that, you know, we're buds. I'll, I'll be over for coffee in just a minute, big Steve. Um, <laughs> the third one is your newsletter, is your author newsletter. Right which is a direct communication with people who have asked for more information about you. Right. And I make mine very chatty. I start off every newsletter with, oh my God, I can't believe it's October already. Can you believe it? Have the leaves changed where you are? They are so beautiful where I am. And it is, there's this lovely crisp chill in the air and autumn is just beautiful. I start off my newsletter that way. Yeah. And then I move into what I'm doing, what I'm working on. And, you know, if I have a promotion or I'm going to be putting a book on sale or whatever it is, that's my newsletter. Do you do it? You do. How often do you do your newsletter? Once a month. And you, um, I still don't get your newsletter. You know, I've signed up for it five times and I still don't get it. (laughs) Do not understand that. I'm going to add you. Yes, that's a good idea. You should add me. I just don't mean to imply that I haven't bothered to sign up for your newsletter. I have signed up for your newsletter. It just doesn't like. I don't understand that, but (laughs) I will. I will literally. Should I add you under your your Prue at Prue Warren address? Yes, that would be very nice. Thank you very much. It's very kind of you. Thank you. (laughs) Anybody Uh, else who is listening, you want me to add you? Just email me. I will add you. Or go to your website, MeredithBond.com, and sign up for the newsletter like normal folk can. I don't know why you have such prejudice against me, Meredith. It's not personal, honestly. (laughs) Okay. Number four on my list of ways to engage with readers, you also do, which is a blog. I do. But that is to engage with authors, not with readers, not with people who read my book. So how would you say what's on your website then that you would consider to be reader engagement? Ah, on my website, reader engagement is my list of books. Mm -hmm. And I guess my front page where I list whatever I've done most recently. 
Right. Okay. And then number five for reader engagement is social media. Right. Now, Meredith, when you list your bona fides, when you write down, excuse me, oh, I'm a little bilious this morning. Um, when you write <laughs> down how to get in touch with you, your list is epic. You are available on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest. You're on everything, aren't you? Of course. I have listed everything because I don't know where somebody might be. That doesn't mean that I post everywhere all the time. I have a presence and I have taken my name so that nobody else can. (laughs) And so well, like where, which, which is a site where you don't post very often? Pinterest. I almost never post anything to Pinterest, but I've got like three or four boards there filled with stuff. Filled with stuff. I see. So someone can come and poke around and your hope is that then they will then go to your website. What is your hope? Yeah, that they will go to my website. Exactly. So that's the driving forces to the website. Or to my books, because like one of my boards on Pinterest is pictures of people who I think look like my characters. Oh, that's fun. That's a fun idea. Oh my. You know, I haven't updated that for a while. (laughs) I always, I always put down, when I'm writing, I like to go into Google images and steal a photograph of somebody who looks like who my hero or heroine is. Exactly. Sometimes it's a celebrity, but I could never post that anywhere because they're not, I haven't bought the rights to that. That's just for me now. See, you should post that on a Pinterest board. Right, student. Timothy Oliphant might get mad. Mm. Okay, so reader engagement. The way you write your book, afterwards and forwards, newsletter, blog, social media. And I would add my You Decide story, which is reader engagement. And last year, I had a, uh, 10 years ago, I wrote an advent calendar for my family. Right. And so I offered that up for free to anybody who wanted to sign up for it. And I got, I think, 200 people signed up and I mailed them an advent calendar installment every day, which was lovely. And I still have a lot of them on my list, on my newsletter list. So they get my newsletter, mm-hmm. but I don't have an advent calendar for them this year. So I hope they won't be mad. I've been busy with the Cooper Smith legacy and the Muse books, my God. <laughs> They'll have to just understand. They'll just have to understand. Are there other reader engagement ideas that you've heard of that you like? I'm putting you on the spot. People do such creative things. You know what? I got on my list. What about book signings? I think that that is in-person book signings. That's that's reader engagement. It certainly is. It certainly is. And um, even, you know, running a a promo or um, a contest on your website. That's reader engagement, right? Putting together boxes. Yes, wait. What kind of contest? Oh, uh, it could be anything. Win a free book or win an Amazon gift card or whatever. But, you know, it it pulls people in. It engages them, right? I see. I see. I see. Good. All right. Another thing that I have always wanted to do and never actually did it is to offer my print books autograph. Mm. So people can buy them directly from me. I will autograph them and write in a note and mail it to them. But I haven't done it because I'm not in the country and it can only be done 
within the country that you're in because otherwise it gets massively expensive. Right. That makes perfect sense. That's interesting. Offer an, and then do you just charge what five dollars extra? Yeah. Or plus the postage. plus postage. Actually, you know, you, you don't even need to charge five dollars extra. You charge whatever it costs them to buy the book on Amazon, which is not the same as what you pay for it, because you pay your author the author price. And so that builds in your profit. And then you charge them for the shipping. Hmm. That's interesting. So if I sold a paperback book for $9.99, I would sell a paperback book that I had signed for $9.99, buy it from Amazon for what, four or five dollars something. Exactly. I'd have to charge them shipping. And then I would make a little tiny bit of money. But once again, I don't think anybody wants my autograph. I think I think but I think it's, that- it's engagement. It is for people who do want your autograph, who want a little piece of you. <laughs> that's, that's a really interesting idea. Sell autograph books. Hmm. And okay. some authors get very creative. They will like create a gift box or um, they will give away. Uh, another thing that they will give away in one of these contests is like a piece of jewelry or something that relates to their most recent release. And that's the, the gift box is something that someone has to win. You don't send a gift. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Swag. Yeah. Swag. Okay. So swag, I think is probably its own topic, but that one conference I went to the one romance writers of America conference I went to had an entire room of swag where authors went and put their bookmarks and their postcards and their, bottle openers and whatever else they had created. Right. Do we believe that swag is worth the cost of the swag? The only reason it is worth the cost is if somebody keeps seeing your name, right? So it is a well-established fact that somebody needs to see something seven times before they will purchase it. Mm -hmm. So if I used to give away, um, these little cloth cleaners, uh, a piece of cloth that, that you clean your phone or your glasses with, right? Oh, yeah. Right? Um, so, and on the corner of it, it had Anessa Books, which is my coach, book coaching formatting company and my logo. And I think it might have also said Meredith Bond on there. So every single time somebody pulled out this little slip of cloth, they saw my name. So if at some later time, they said, oh, wait, uh, I just saw a book by Meredith Bond. I remember that name. I, I can't remember where it's from, but I remember the name. She's an author. She does this. Hmm. Yeah, I'll buy that. Well, that's interesting. I had always thought of swag as being sort of a lost leader. But if you think of it as an opportunity for engagement, then it's not you don't need profit from swag. You need engagement from swag. It is a touch. It's a touch. Very yeah. interesting. So, um, that, okay. Yeah. Well, so so reader engagement has a lot of different aspects to it. It does. And, and it can be as interpersonal as you want it to be. Good. Good. My best takeaway is that it, this is all an attempt to create printed intimacy. That's my new phrase. I love that phrase. I do too. I dig it. <laughs> <laughs> Meredith, next week, uh, we're back on track theoretically, and we're going to talk about writing, art, 
identity or profession? And mm-hmm. I, I got the idea for that topic from a blog post, and I will try and find it. Okay, good. No guarantees. Excellent. All right, it'll it'll be the <laughs> it'll be the source of our chat. Well, I'm looking forward to that, and I'll talk to you next week, Meredith. All right, bye. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week.